Welcome to your Making It Worse. We're here, we're queer, who cares? I'm Elliot Glazer. And I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. Textual healing. So I think it's important that the audience understands that Elliot is joining us this week from the East Coast. Is that right, Elliot? That is right. From his parents' basement. <laughs> well, no, Alan, it's important that we are honest and transparent with our listeners. Elliot is actually joining us from a hospital bed. Now, don't worry. <laughs> no one should worry. You. Elliot is of great health and good spirits. But a few weeks ago, he was contacted by a massive team of doctors and researchers mm. who yeah. wanted to study him to better understand, um, God, how do I put this? Uh, what makes him unique, uh, different? <laughs> What mm. what drives his insatiable desire to meet strange anonymous gentlemen? Jesus. So <laughs> Jesus Christ. So you know, I you know as as always, uh, Elliot has you know he's joining us with a big grin on his face, even though he's hooked mm -hmm. up to dozens of machines that are gauging his desire in certain topics, so to speak. Yeah. So you might notice the sound of a machine in the background. Elliot, actually, put could you put the the microphone a little closer to the machine? so we can hear, okay. So that's just sort of the background noise. And that machine, <laughs> it might go a little crazy if we mentioned, say, rugby or tickling or Chewbacca or belly button rings or meeting a gentleman in a thicket of bushes. Uh, Elliot, calm down. Look at a picture of Diane Weist. Elliot, look at a picture of Diane Weist. Okay. Um, so just- This just is what you did with your weekend. Bear this with is us, what you everyone. Did. This is all in the name of science. Um, oh my God. What a waste of time. <laughs> you go to such effort, it's great. Um, okay, so let's start the podcast. So this week sure. as someone... Sure, no segue. Uh, who regularly... is someone who regularly reads Yahoo News, I've been taken aback about Why the Yahoo? media. Because well, that's where I it's where I have all of my trashy uh, uh, catfish email addresses. <laughs> and, I have, and I have several. Um, but, uh, but I've been taken aback with this media narrative of the so-called chicken sandwich wars, mm, which yeah. is little, mm. like, it's like consistent across all news media and it's built like it's the next Ford versus Ferrari. I'm here for it. I and had Burger so Kings weird. and shit. <laughs> and it's just, I mean, the funny thing is like, you know, it's this apparently ongoing battle between the fast food giants to create the greatest chicken sandwich, McDonald's, mm. Chick-fil-A, Burger King, Popeye's. I've had all of them, and choosing the best is like picking a favorite child. You've had the Chick-fil-A one? That's the only one I haven't had. Yes, I have. Yes. Um, wow. Is it good? Yes. I, I do. Th I still think it's overrated, but I think Chick-fil-A is good. They won me over just, just like short what they Christmas. do? Like, they're a chicken place, so like, yeah. can they really just be celebrating a chicken sandwich if all of the, what they do is chicken? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 to be honest with you, what made the dinner so special there, and I've brought, brought this up many times on the podcast, was their shake. And oh, I, uh, I got their mac and cheese, which was killer. Oh, interesting. I'm gonna killer. have to tell Michael yeah. about that. I don't yeah. like milkshakes though. Milkshakes to me are like just drinking, you know, melted oh, ice cream. I, it's like boring to me. on. I, it's um, dumb. But anyway, so with that said, Burger King just fired a shot across the bows of Chick-fil-A. During Pride Month, Burger King announced it will donate 40 cents 
per sale of its new chicken sandwich to the human rights campaign, which is obviously a dig at its rival Chick-fil-A for previously donating money to organizations viewed intolerant of gay people, a practice that the company has halted while the CEO, Dan Cathy, continues to donate to very socially conservative organizations. Especially <laughs> like that name. Yeah, I, know. I love I love a homophobe named Dan Cathy. And this this was this was <laughs> in case in case you didn't think it was like targeted towards Chick-fil-A, Burger King furthered the dig when it said it would even donate money on Sundays, which is a day that all Chick Fil A oh, is yeah. closed. So that was—I actually thought that was kind of cool. I thought that was—I thought—I think that's it is fun. cool. I unfortunately though, no, I didn't know that they were donating. I, I'm glad that I unknowingly went and supported a very friendly LGBTQ friendly organization. Um, but I went to Burger King to get the chicken sandwich because I'm a part of the chicken sandwich wars. I enjoy the chicken sandwiches and I have gone to all of the establishments with the exception of Chick-fil-A to get these chicken sandwiches because I think the Chick-fil-A one is kind of bullshit because all they do is chicken so they can't yeah. really be in this game, but yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And and I went to Burger King because Trisha Paytas, when we had Meatball on, <laughs> yeah, I, right, I did yeah. a deep dive of Trisha and um, she did a video about the Burger King chicken sandwich. So I was like, well, if Trisha's doing it, I have to go do it too. Yeah. So I went... And it's a bullshit sandwich. It is nowhere oh, near comparable. You. It is a bullshit sandwich. It's nowhere near comparable to Popeyes. None. It's it's just have, there's no I, game. I did have the recent chicken Popeyes sandwich, and it's great. Did you do you remember in the '90s and the early aughts, Burger King had a sandwich called the BK Broiler, and yes, it remains yeah. the best chicken it's sandwich delicious. I've ever fucking had. And I don't understand what was on why it? they. It it was like lettuce, mayo, and like. The juiciest chicken patty I've ever eaten there was in my some, life. No, mm. There was a seasoning in like the fry, the batter that they fried. There was something in the batter that they fried in that like made it that sandwich. Oh, it's the same one, with Popeyes too. This one is, is actually was not fried. Uh, I mean, they oh, have wait. they have a number of chicken sandwiches, so I mean, there were certainly fried options back then. But the BK broiler was famous because it was not fried. It was just like a oh. grilled chicken patty. That's and crazy it was that that was fucking good. awesome. <laughs> I had this one from Wendy's that's a grilled chicken patty that is actually delicious because of the yeah. sauce that they use on it. It's yeah. so good. Elliot, Elliot, what's your what's your go-to fast food? I always forget. Um, Do you have one? I guess Wendy's. Yeah. You're yeah, so sophisticated. It has healthier you want, you want the baked potato. <laughs> very... When I was a kid, we would go to Wendy's like every now and then because we weren't like a, too much of a like fast food family. And mm -hmm. because I like to fill out stuff and write letters and all that shit, I filled out some sort of... um survey card at the wendy's and we literally got a response in the mail that gave us free wendy's for a year oh my wow. god wow so you yeah. must have won a raffle or something i'm sure they didn't they obviously it was, didn't do that with everyone no but i don't know how we got it but but you know we, That's we would go every week pretty much yeah you must have been the coolest kid at school that year <laughs> I, I went yeah. i went i went through a phase where like i was getting vanilla frosties almost like every night of the week for yeah i've never had one i've like, only had the good. chocolate frosties Oh, the vanilla honestly, it's even better. It's Michael even better. loves the vanilla one, but I'm like, no, it's all about the chocolate frosty. It's like, yeah. it's, it's, I, when we, when I was a kid, we were so, we were very much a fast food family. I mean, to the point of that we would, it would not be weird for us to be like, okay, we're getting the fries from McDonald's, but we're going across the street <laughs> to Burger King for the burger. And then we're going to go here for the stuff. Like we That's would great. go to different yeah. places to sort of craft oh, our own so meals. Good. I mean, that's also why, you know, we come from an obese family, but still, it was. Oh, it was just, how dare you? It was just you. such a delightful experience, sort of just like 
I mean, I've had literally all the fast food that could be had. Mm. I think. I, what is I once I found like a buzz. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I keep hearing about something called raising canes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What is that? Yeah. It's mainly a, I think, southern mid. Well, more southern, I think, than mm. anything else. I don't know. I could be wrong on where it is, but it's just like a fast food place. It's just yeah. you know, it's it's I'm like just curious a, what it is. It's like Wendy's or not Wendy's. It's like um. Hardee's, which is Carl's Jr. out here, but in oh. the Midwest, it's Hardee's oh, or like White Castle. I thought it was fried Castle. chicken. I thought it was fried chicken. I thought so, is too. Is it? Yeah. Is it fried? I mean, I don't know. I've, I feel like I've had I feel like I've had it before. Mm. I'm hmm. sure I've had it. You know, I, I, I figured I would close on this. I don't know if I told you guys this story, but um, it was like a couple, uh, five or six days ago, I was um, watching TV and I was eating dinner. And I, I made myself, for dinner that night, I made myself two really large kielbasas. And oh, <laughs> Elliot! Oh my God! Not even joking. We are joined today. So when I found out about these two's podcast, I actually flipped out these a little twos. bit. Yeah, these two, the, because I it's like one of we've talked about it a lot. Elliot, Brent, and I we've talked about this a lot about like gay episodes of shows and and the fact that there's a podcast where you geek out on the gayest episode ever the name of the podcast i'm already in i'm obsessed welcome drew mackey yeah. and glenn lakin hey guys hey hello thank you for having us here oh, so much fun i did the podcast like i guess when this goes up the whole episode will be up th that i did right with taya leone it will yes, yes. <laughs> and i did the naked truth with these guys and the it was a short-lived show on it, both um was it fox and nbc i forget now yeah abc and nbc abc and nbc yeah i always and, thought she was the most attractive woman in right? the world too because she She's was so like beautiful. fit she mm -hmm. was abnormally fit i felt too and I kind of queer in a way cool. there was a queer sensibility yeah. to her that was yeah. just like yeah fun. for sure Absolutely. Yeah. It's because she looks like she could do violence at any time. Like, there's just like <laughs> mm -hmm. that. Like, she's an assassin. Yeah. And for some reason, that yeah. reaches weird to us. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Rather watch that show, but yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. So we did, we did, we focused on that. So, and an episode of that show that was the gayest episode of The Naked Truth, which basically consisted of like an old storyline of confusion over two characters maybe being gay and them using it to benefit to get season's tickets to some sports game or whatever and in the end mayhem ensues and oh my god they're not yeah. gay and lol 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 uh it was not the best of storylines but <laughs> it was it was boring which is progressive because it didn't have to be exciting <laughs> yeah. right right that was the conclusion we came to that we got so far in the gay rights movement that we are allowed to have a boring episode gay episode of the show, <laughs> right which was I mean, very good that that would have been 96, right? Uh, I think it aired in 97. Yeah. This is the second season. I believe that's 97. Yeah, mm. right after Deep yeah. Impact. So do you guys have to watch every episode of uh, a show to be able to, to pick the gayest one? So here's the thing. Um, we named it that because when I realized that there wasn't a podcast called that, I we basically had to call it that. But uh, <laughs> we make no claims of actually identifying the gay. We're just going through the gay, the LGBT canon of sitcoms. Sure. Um, so very misleading and very disappointing when people find out we're not doing like we there are no calculations exhaustive or, or, right right yeah but also we do multiple shows multiple times so like we're doing another simpsons episode mm -hmm. uh, this week yeah oh god yeah so like what like what qualifies as like sort of like maybe like a, a couple episodes of like gay tv that kind of slipped under the radar like mm. not not the simpsons episode with john waters per se but like mm -hmm. something that really stands out that you know as a kid in the 90s uh, you know, Elliot and Alan, you know, as guys in their 30s in the 90s, like what what would they have missed? 
I mean, I'd, I always go back a little earlier. Like, the, I think the reason I wanted to do this podcast was there was an episode of Cheers in the first season, mm-hmm. which would have been 82 huh. or 83, in which um, there is confusion and consternation over whether Cheers is going to become a gay bar just because there were two gay men in it. Uh, and the really way funny. that they were kind of – they handled it in a – really well uh for early 80s and it surprised me yeah uh, not just the sensitivity of it but just the quality of the humor related yeah. to the gay content and so you know i thought like oh so maybe you know because you always think back like okay so we've progressed a lot of ways but in what ways we just assumed that like old tv was probably a little ham-fisted mm-hmm. uh, yeah ham- or just like actively homophobic yeah with, like a lot of slurs right, which right. Yeah, like, right. f word f word f word yeah um but being surprised by the older shows that didn't do that um what were some of them sorry. besides cheers that you're, you've been surprised I mean, by all of the family was the biggest surprise yeah. to me yeah, so I think a lot of people just assume that it's going to be a rough watch, but like it's so much more progressive than you would ever imagine if you don't have uh, enough time with that particular universe of TV shows. Um, let's see, I'm trying to think of what else. Okay, but also <laughs> dinosaurs. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, there was that great episode. You, about, you had a you had an episode about dinosaurs where the, where being gay was ve- was a metaphor. Or, being vegetarian was a metaphor for being gay? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yes. Yeah. So that aired on TGIF, and that was super low-key, but honestly very well done in that anyone who knew what a gay person was would have got it at the time, but you wouldn't make like a kid have an awkward conversation with like their homophobic parent. Yeah. yeah. Wow. But also, you, you guys actually inspired an episode because you talked about like a year and a half ago on this show, you talked about an episode of Step by Step yes. where like the son oh. works in Suzanne Summer's hair salon. And yes. they, they do not mention the word gay, and it's not technically a no. gay episode, but it is very much about like effeminacy and masculine. Gay behavior. panic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And on TJF and handled not great. It's a really oh weird my God. So we break it down. So yeah. poorly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We should yeah, say, though, for the kids that listening, that TGIF was no longer <laughs> around, was, a, was right. a, a couple of years on ABC on Friday night where they would show Friday like, block. Family Matters, yeah. Full House, mm-hmm. Dino, Growing Pain. Family-oriented shows during that yeah. time. No one, no one was, no one was yeah. ever gay. Yes. It was supposed to be very, very right. safe. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as you get into the 90s and you have shows like Fritcher where metrosexuality is such a thing mm-hmm. and these characters uh, are a little soft and so these shows yeah. often had to do a lot of episodes that addressed gay themes Frasier was just so gay yeah. just yeah it's so gay oh and so my they god yeah episodes to point out like no no Frasier's he- heterosexual and so is Niles and mm. he was like okay no. I guess yeah. you're telling me that I don't necessarily believe it yeah. but you're telling me that so okay we'll go forward knowing that like there's gay content but we're calling it out yeah mm-hmm. yeah Definitely. Yeah, I was surprised to see that um, that the Growing Pains did an episode where Kirk Cameron's character said gay, like so, said the word. Like, Maybe I'm gay specifically is the line. And it's a trick. Kirk to watch. Cameron? And yeah, yes. and that's what triggered his like religious right shift. <laughs> he makes yeah, end of days movies now. He makes yeah. end of days movies. Sorry, the next ahead. year is when he got super Christian. Um, so I don't think yeah. he would have allowed this at the time. But uh, it's all about he's... Uh, almost has sex with Dana Plato, who's dressed like Madonna from that era, and then he doesn't want to because he's not ready for sex, so he thinks maybe he's gay, and Joanna Kearns has to be like, I know you're not gay. 
But like, just the yeah. fact that that conversation happened uh, on Growing Pains is insane. Also, Joanna yeah, that is nuts. Uh, another. She was I was just London gonna say. I always <laughs> thought she was like beautiful. Yeah, like when I was is. like in elementary school, I'm like, Joanna Kearns is gorgeous. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like, like there was right. competition between like Joanna Kearns and like Jean Smart, and clearly Jean Smart has won. And I just, uh, I, I completely, I respect she that has journey because I don't know who that is. You know who Jean yeah. Smart is? She's in Hacks. Okay. All right. <laughs> sure, but what if one of, them, if one of them is going to be like a super villain, like a cosmetics person? Yeah. Um, basically, if one of them was going to step into the plot of that bad Catwoman movie, it would have mm. been Joanna Kearns, not oh, Jean yeah. Smart. That's true. Yeah, that would have been great. That's very true. Better, Although I did just see a video because I've been obsessing over Jean Smart recently, where she talks <clears> about <throat> a blue dildo in Watchmen. So I'm just saying, Jean Smart more progressive than we. Oh, think. did you not? Did so, you not watch Watchmen? I haven't yet. I need to. Oh, you oh must. That's, yeah. it's an epic. There's an epic mm. scene with her and an, an enormous blue dildo. It's insane. <laughs> so also that that show being anchored by Jean Smart and the daughter from Two Two Seven in like this action superhero like series oh. is just the most mind blowing thing. Yeah, talk about it's the greatest episode show. ever. All right, so yeah. but let me ask you, like, how often did you used to hear the as you call it the f word? I I say fag, but like, how often did you <laughs> hear that? Like. Wait, like in, cause I, I was watching The Office during the pandemic with, with my ex and like, I was really blown away that they would actually use that word. Mm -hmm. And like, did you what hear show? a lot? Uh, the Office. Oh, the office? Office. yeah. Yeah. Who, 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 someone gets called a fag on well, the Well, it's used well, in they, a gay episode. They use, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. They use, they've used the word. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, it's not used yeah, so, in a derogatory like, way. That's meant like casually, like you're, yeah. you're referring to in the seventies and eighties and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so so did you hear it a lot in like sitcoms in the 80s and 90s? Now you're making me go back in my brain and I can't remember because we've talked about so much fucking TV. Yeah. But um, I know we have before and we always talk about whenever it comes up. And actually, we want to do a history of the F word on TV. Just mm. trying to figure out what the first Breaking show news. Yeah. <laughs> the first one to ever do it was. But now I... Did Too Close for Comfort... No, Too Close for Comfort did not do it. No, but we... Yeah, we try and do trigger warnings at the top of episodes, so I try and just go back from my oh, We should start doing that, we too. Had. Mm, I <laughs> just, disagree. Eh. But. Yeah. <laughs> we should just do it for every episode. You're going to be triggered. That's The, yeah, yeah, the, the yeah, podcast yeah. is going to be renamed. You're going to be triggered. Well, right, right. <laughs> because you, along with the F word, we're surprised by how often like sexual assault yes. comes up as a plot line mm -hmm. uh, in these gay episodes. Or suicide. Suicide yeah. comes up a lot too on sitcoms yeah, involving gay yeah. I was just was working there? on a episode for Out on the Lanai, a Pride episode, sort of going over all the queer-related episodes of uh, The Golden Girls. And there's like one episode that I think of in particular. That's, I mean, they had a lot of gay episodes, but like one in particular that is sort of troubling now is the trans episode where you had like oof, Gil oof. Kessler who was running for city oof. council and th th he makes up this whole sort of lie that he slept with Blanche oof. and it becomes a big scandal. And then at the end of the episode, the punchline really lies on Gil Kessler coming out as being assigned female gender at birth and then having transitioned later on into like at, as Gil Kessler later on. Um, <clears throat> and it just sort of, it was icky. It's icky now. Yeah, and I imagine. <laughs> I imagine like on, on, icky on one of my favorite shows, which like I think for people who are big fans of shows that they're emotionally attached to, the reckoning that those shows have sort of troublesome things sometimes. It it can be hard. So like, do you do you do you experience that with some of the shows you watch? That like sometimes you're disappointed that shows weren't more quote unquote woke in the day. Yes. And I think it's really important to be able to take the things you like and describe all of the ways they fucked up and suck and like did offensive things that were not even wrong 
they were wrong back in the day. It's not like it was a different time. You should just be able yeah. to say this was Get always a past a fun then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like uh, the our season finale is the Simpsons where Patty wants to get married, but it turns out that the woman she wants to get married is actually a man posing as a woman, so oh. he can play in the women's Oof. golf tournament. Yeah. So that's gonna be a really big one to like pick apart, and it sucks because we obviously we we, we grew up on the Simpsons and we love mm-hmm. the Simpsons, mm-hmm. and um, it's uh, uh, important to talk everyone through how what you can still year? like something even when it fucks up. What year was that? I was. Tw- 2005 it was See, right after no excuse yeah and that's what blows me away and that's something that i love about your podcast is and what i did a lot on out on the lanai is putting a historical context into when that episode aired because it's so important to understand like maybe where they're coming from with what they're saying and mm-hmm. doing based on what's happening in the world at that moment and mm-hmm. that is such a great example of like I mean, in my opinion, I would be like straight guys sort of writing episodes of television, not realizing that in 2005, maybe you should be a bit more woke about trans issues and like what's going yeah. on in the world. You know what I mean? For sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. And that's sort of like the lens you have to look through these things is so like sometimes they're bad, but are they bad because back then they didn't have mm-hmm. the language or the tools or the perspective to do something correctly, even though their heart is in the right place. And then right. there's people who whose hearts aren't in the right place necessarily. And they are going for the easy joke or the easy plot line. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where a lot of the trip ups happen. Mm-hmm. I uh, Have you guys, have, has there ever been a show that you never in a million years would have suspected, like would have a gay themed episode, like G.I. Joe or something? Yeah. Like was there ever, the like was there ever like a really weird curveball or anything? The 18? So our, our summer project is actually going to be cartoons, so we will probably get to talk about G.I. Joe in the not-too-distant future. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Other than dinosaurs who are in growing pains, what else was a surprise? I mean, just on the, again, on the cartoon did- point, since we already did it, but like uh, there was an episode of Dungeons & Dragons, the oh. 80s cartoon, that was very much a gay storyline because it was about the the asshole, the, the paladin one. Um, mm-hmm. He sort of has a nemesis in the episode who's a very handsome young man. Handsome, wizard. But, handsome but catty. Handsome but catty, oh, and they're wow. so catty to each other. It's like a gay rom com. Yeah, it's, you it's... can't actually read it as anything other than flirtation. And oh, the funny. little magic boy has this magic amulet, which, of course, every gay boy growing up wanted a fucking magic amulet. Yeah. Uh, so I just read it as very gay. Yeah. An amulet, I'm picturing like a basically an eight inch dildo is what was what I'm picturing. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. what yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what is an amulet? I don't know what that is. Like a giant necklace. Mm. Giant magical oh, caddy. I mean, isn't Dungeons I, I, and Dragons I do, I do love... kind of gay? Yeah, it can be. Like when I play, sure. <laughs> I was I was gonna say I love how Glenn like started talking about Dungeons and Dragons, the cartoon from the '80s, as if people were familiar with the characters <laughs> in the show. There was like sort of a conceit of like, yeah, you know the uh, you the know the one who has a shield, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> I have a uh, feeling I... that plenty of our listeners. I'm, I'm not judging or or mm-hmm. anything, but based on the Instagram profiles I've seen, we have quite a few Dungeons and Dragons fans out <laughs> yes. there. Yes, <laughs> and we support that, Alan. Yes. We, we support support that. your journey. I mean, like, would would it, would an, would another theme like like I always I still think back on when Growing Pains brought um, Leonardo Di- DiCaprio on the show Ooh. within the context of like he was like uh, like a like he was hot but also just like a youth who was like a, a hitchhiker or something that was like, how did so they, I forget how they met him it was such a strange story a youth yeah, no he was like a sixteen year old hitchhiker yeah, who entered their family but there was a something youth. that like that like totally like put me into like sexual turmoil yes. watching him on that show. Does that count as well? 
We haven't thought about Luke. His name is his character's Luke, name is right. Luke. I haven't right. we haven't watched those episodes since we were kids. I'm sure just based on him being such a fucking dreamboat, there was something that they were doing to like court like girls and by extension like t- queer boys. Yeah. yeah. But like also but the same measure, I'm sure there's a home improvement that probably works from that perspective too, just because uh, those boys were well, such a thing trying to make happen. Was it's the I don't think Tim Allen would have let that happen. Do you think yeah. anytime there's a floppy haired youth? On a sitcom in the '90s that has to sort of draw in some Rider, sort of strong is, for sure. Yeah. There is an yeah. episode. Well, first off, the combination of like Kirk Cameron, the '80s American heartthrob, mixed with Luke or with Leonardo DiCaprio was like a complete wet dream for me. I remember in like '92 <laughs> being like, "Why is this so shifting culturally for me? Like, why is this such a moment yeah. for me when like other things were happening?" Whatever. I another gay episode that I think like is really interesting. That happens on a lot of sitcoms. I'm sure you guys can can speak to this. Is there's an episode of like Everybody Loves Raymond where there's not a gay character. There's nothing really gay happening. But one of the twin boys is like in a pageant at school or something, and he has to wear. Yeah. He's like a fairy in school, like mm-hmm. a Christmas pageant thing, and he has to wear the wings and stuff and like the whole fairy sort of costume and the angel whatever story i don't i don't know those stories but Mm -hmm. uh the whole episode which the writing of the episode is actually like as a comedy writer even though i don't agree with the punch line the structure of the episode i thought was really really tight and funny which pissed me off that like the content Mm -hmm. of it was not so great but the whole episode hinges on the family freaking out that the son might grow up to be gay and at the end, Ray has to have this like big heart to heart with this kid who's like six years old about it's okay if you want to f- wear wings and fly in a play or whatever. And like he yeah. has to come to terms. And at the end of the show, they realize, oh, he just wanted to wear wings and like run around the stage screaming because he could fly. Like that's all he cared yeah. about. It didn't matter that it had nothing to do with being gay. Do you see yeah. that in a lot of the shows you watch like and you cover that it really is about really based on gay panic and like what's going to happen to the kid? Yeah, for sure. First, Drew's horrified that I think Everybody Raymond is a good show. Uh, <laughs> I think it is too, cover. actually. I agree it's really you. well done. It's yeah. very well done. And there is also an episode, or we cover an episode of Everybody Raymond uh, about the older brother who, who contemplates whether or not he might be gay just because he hasn't had a successful female relationship. Mm-hmm. And there's another episode where the Marie, the grandmother, uh, makes a sculpture that looks like a vagina. Oh, Classic yeah, episode. that's right. Such a good episode. That's great. Um, but... But yeah, there is a lot of episodes that just come down to crisis of masculinity or gay panic mm-hmm. uh, and sort of deconstructing what it means to be a man. And That's like literally the, th- the theme of home improvement. All of it yeah. was yeah. about being a man. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, looking back, I mean, I haven't watched it since, but, you know, thinking that's about that alone. I feel sorry for Patricia Richardson. I said that's a lie. You watch it all the time. Yeah. Oh, yes. No, I love but I, I, I thought I read on a blog somewhere that the next door neighbor Wilson was pan curious. I, I don't <laughs> recall if that was official or not. But um... I mean, no, they, they called he was actually pan. You didn't see his legs. So he right, just had the right. of a go. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Do you remember the wanna... speaking of home improvement, Patricia Richardson and Ellen DeGeneres hosted the Emmys the year. <laughs> what? Yes. What? The year. Why? Patricia Richardson. I'm just saying, talk about gayest episode ever. That was one. <laughs> One of the gayest Emmys ever. Wait, and is she a lesbian? No, Patricia she's not. Oh, let, me, no. let me back this not up because I <laughs> was obsessed with I was obsessed with Ellen, but I also like they were both on these two big shows. Ellen show had just come out, Home Improvement had yeah. just come out, and they were slotted to host the Emmys together. And it was like on Entertainment Weekly, it was a big deal that Ellen was going to wear a dress. And if you Google or YouTube. <laughs> 
the opening of that Emmys, I think it was 94 or something, it is the most uncomfortable you've ever seen a person walk onto stage. Oh, wow. In that dress. That sounds so fun. It's a good I'm one. I'm going to look that up. Look that one up. It's a good one. Elliot, sorry, what were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say, if you don't mind, I'd love to know a little bit more about Give Me a Break's Gay Evening. Um, oh, yeah. I used to watch that show. As a kid, I was obsessed with Nell Carter. <laughs> and my parents were like, what is that? Like, I, I guess... I just loved the theme. I th- I sang the "Give Me a Break" theme song all the time, but it's obviously, a great song. Yeah. it's a great, it's a great song. pop song. Not the Kit Kat and I, song. But I, no, not the Kit Kat song. Um, but uh, yeah, so I don't. I mean, I don't remember much of it except that Rosie O'Donnell was on it, which is gay in and of itself. But what um, what can you tell us about that episode of, of "Give Me a Break" that was gay? So um, number one, Nell Carter herself. Have you ever yes. looked into like her Republican, Republican lesbian? Yeah, Republican <laughs> lesbian, Jewish, uh, Christian, like just all over the place. Wow. Had a all yeah, over very the place life. Coke addict. Um, but uh, yeah, that too. Didn't her nose fall um, but, off? Yeah. Her, her, yeah. her, 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 her I'm, No, I'm her clit fell off. Her <laughs> clit <laughs> fell off. Her clit fell off. Yeah. Her clit fell off. Yeah. Yes. Alleged. I mean, alleged. It's just, it's just it is alleged. It is alleged. That yeah. That alleged. Happened. Right. Sorry, Drew. Go ahead. That's the thing. Go ahead, Drew. Sorry. Please address that. Before Rosie O'Donnell joins the show, um, the dad is still a part of the show, and the dad's a cop, and he goes on a stakeout with another cop, and it turns out that that cop is gay. So it was mostly, like, it's like a two-act play, more like, and it's just the cop interacting with his cop buddy and learning to accept that this guy who's, like, a big, gruff, like, daddy type, Mm. like, you wouldn't assume he was gay at all, actually is gay. It's actually very well done. Mm. Wow. Well, speaking of Nell Carter, um, and also great moments in television specials, uh, the B. Arthur, Nell Carter, and what was her name from Su- from 227, the lead of 227? Not Jack A., but the other one? Mar- Marla Gibbs. Marla Gibbs. They had a whole NBC presentation where they had to come out singing from Dreamgirls, we are a family, and they all <laughs> right. did it in their own little way. It's probably one of the best things. I'm, the I think you sent that to me once. It is one of the best <laughs> videos besides oh, it's Generous and Address a, I've ever seen. It all takes place in like a wallless like yeah. parameterless mm-hmm. bizarre dystopian like periwinkle blue bizarre how futurist many gay set. kids were freaking out watching yep. this nbc special about nbc nbc is proud today of its current family comedy series from genie and her bottle to father knowing best Here's to Punky Brewster, family ties and all the rest. Each week they've entertained us, living a life is just a game. Now each situation differed, but the spirit was the same. We are a family, like a giant tree, branching out towards the sky. We are a family, and we're so much more than just you and I. Like, listen, fuck capitalism and all that, but I'm also, like, such a sucker for, like, brand, family branding like that. Like, sure. When, when Bravo reality shows have their, like, promos for, like, Summer of Bravo, yes. and you see the different, like, housewives doing Olympics together, like, fuck it, whatever. Like, yeah. I just yeah. like seeing that crossover, so that's that shit worked for me. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm here for it. Well, guys... Thank you so much for doing this. Where can people follow you on the interwebs? Uh, search for gayest episode ever or go to gayest episode ever.com. We're there. Okay. Easy. And what about you guys personally? You. Like, do, can people yeah. follow you? Like, because I mean, I'm sure they want to also hit you up on Scruff like Elliot did. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> um, 
if you have a uh, weird Dungeons and Dragons fan art, you can send it to me <laughs> on uh, Twitter at I Write Wrongs, I W R I T E Wrongs. And I'm Drew, Drew G. Mackie, M A C K I E, on Twitter. And for the record, um, there's a YouTube video literally called Ellen DeGeneres Wearing a Dress, and it's a screenshot of Patricia Richardson in a dress, and Ellen looks like a bodybuilder. <laughs> I'm telling that you, I'm is... a historian of not worthless knowledge. Incredible. <laughs> guys, it's thank you so backwards. much. Thank you so much for being with thank us. You thank oh, you, guys. Thanks for having us. Thank you. And another thing. So it is Pride, as everyone should know, at least when we're recording this. And if you're mm. listening to this years from now, well, mm. fuck you. Should have listened Decades to it from now. Centuries and from now. Yeah, it happens. It does happen. But I uh, have recently been enjoying HBO Max's sort of Pride collection. They have a lot of new content that they uploaded. And one of the films that they uploaded was Torch Song Trilogy, which is a not so much a classic film, but a very classic play written by Harvey Firestein. And mm-hmm. when I watched it, when when it, when they up when they added it, and I sent this guy, I did a sort of a deep dive on Harvey Firestein and how Torch Song trilogy. It's just about this drag queen who it's loosely based on Harvey Firestein's life. It's based about this drag queen who she's living in New York City in the seventies, eighties, and all she wants is sort of you know a, a husband and a child, and she just wants the traditional things in life and. Over the course of the film, she gets it, but in a very queer way because it's, you know, she's living in a world of homophobia and all these different things. And it's mm. it's a really, really beautiful, beautiful play. Mm. And the film isn't as great as the play, but it does it does hold up. And it is telling to understand that this, this play came out at the height or at the very beginning of HIV AIDS. So, like, here's this story about a, a drag queen who wants these sort of traditional quote-unquote things and... Meanwhile, there's an epidemic happening out there, mm-hmm. and and it's sort of this uh, juxtaposition between what was one of the most. I mean, it won best play in 1982. He won best actor in a play. Like, mm. it, it was it was a very lauded play at the time. And then he also then went on to do uh, La Cage aux Folies, which terrified Elliot when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, right. And, <laughs> and and so I found this interview with Harvey Firestein that I sent to the guys, and we'll play a, a clip of it now. La Cage aux Folies says that, look, you can have a homosexual couple who love each other, who can live together for years and years, who can have commitment, who can have all the things that we have come to think of as only heterosexual property. Right. Well, those are not heterosexual experiences, and those are not heterosexual words. Those are human words, love, commitment, family, belong to all people. Is it rare? to have these kinds of long relationships? No, no, it's the norm. It is the norm in the homosexual community. It is not the norm in what you see on the news and all that, but what you see on the news and what you see in print are the bars. I mean, the the obvious things that you can shoot. You don't break into people's homes and shoot this happy lesbian couple that's been, you know, the two of them have been living together for 70 years. You don't shoot that because you're not going to go break into their house and shoot them. They don't go to bars and they, and you'd never notice them on the street. So monogamy as, as is well. as prevalent. Monogamy is as prevalent a disease in homosexuality <laughs> as it is in heterosexuality. It's all the life choice that you make for yourself. We all have the same problem. Do we? Yeah. What's sure. it like to be a homosexual? You do have the easy ones, don't you? What is it like? What's it like being a heterosexual? I don't know. I'm just a person. 
I'm a person who sees the world in the opposite light than you do. That's all. Uh, but I see the exact same world as you do. I assume that everyone is gay unless I'm told otherwise. Uh, you assume everyone's straight unless you're told otherwise. I see a beautiful woman on the street. I appreciate her as a beautiful woman, but not as a sex object. I mean, you have to, you have to start from the, the basics. 10% okay, of the world is gay. Is it really? So you've got to stop with the, this is a sickness, this is an abnormality. This is a normal thing that has gone on through the history of man. It has always been 10% of the population, has never been bred out. If it was a abnormalcy or whatever, it would have been bred out through natural selection. Now, our problem with homosexuality is that it is invisible. Most gays are invisible. Most gays are not like me, an effeminate male. I mean, you can pick me out as being gay. Most gay men, you can't. Most gay women, you can't. And it is a lot easier for a gay man who is really invisible gay man to stand in a room full of execs all laughing about the, the, the homo down the hall um, to just laugh along than for him to stand up and say, excuse me, I happen to be gay and you've just offended me or to go home and tell his parents that he's gay. Unless we are liberated in ourselves and accept homosexuality ourselves and demand our respect, straight people will never see that gays are teachers and lawyers and policemen and firemen and garbage men and, and everything else. A few years ago, I wouldn't have been able to do an interview like this probably and put it on on the air. It would have been, but this is not the subject one talks about. So things You happen. could have done it. You would have had a fight, your senses and all that, but you could have done it and you should have done it. You know I am not the first gay star of a Broadway show. You know I'm not the first gay writer of a Broadway show. It is such a ridiculous position. You're the first openly gay. Yeah, but isn't that ridiculous? I mean, isn't it totally ridiculous that I'm getting all this attention because I'm the first openly gay? You know how many gays. You know that the women in your audience are sitting out there and they go to see movies and they're dying over these gorgeous men. You know they're gay. In La Cage au Folle, the big number that closes the first act is when the transvestite, having been rejected, comes out and sings. Well, they, they tell him they don't want him. Yeah, and he says... And he says, I am what I am. I don't want praise. I don't want pity. I bang my own drum. Some think it's noise. I think it's pretty. There's one life and there's no return and no deposit. One life, so it's time to open up your closet. Life ain't worth a damn till you can say, hey world, I am what I am. But one of the things that like really sort of threw me in this is a lot of the things that Harvey's talking about in this 19, what, 83, 84 yeah. interview with Barbara Walters is stuff that we, the three of us, regularly talk about on yeah. this podcast yeah. to this day. I mean, what was you guys' reaction? To you know, I, I'm not, a, I'm not a, as, as I think our listeners might probably predict, I'm not a huge Far Harvey Firestein head. Uh, I'm not a massive fan. I have nothing against him. I just I I consider myself neutral on the guy. And but I was really taken aback and surprised with how, you know, eloquent and and thoughtful and like just he hit all the right notes that you know, you know what thirty eight years later or something. Uh, what stood out to you though, like in the in in it, like what about that? Like I mean, just sort of the the bravery of of going on. Uh, you know, being interviewed by Barbara Walters and kind of challenging her a couple times and like pushing back on narratives uh, that stereotypes that existed in the gay community. That just that was surprising to to see someone really kind of take a strong stance. You know, it, it, and there's another moment where he talks about how like 
He's like, everyone on Broadway has been gay, you know, since since its inception. Like this is this isn't surprising. This isn't new. Um, I just thought that was interesting. What she did... was framing it like he was the first queer person to have a hit right. on Broadway. Really right. funny. To be on Broadway. Right. Yeah. Right. What did you think, Elliot? I, I mean, I like him a lot and have always liked him. And I've, yes, Lakaja Foles scared the shit out of me as a kid and made my parents <laughs> turn it off. Um, I guess just, I think just the sort of the disconnect of seeing a woman with a gravelly voice and the, like, also I was like afraid of whatever sex was. I didn't really know what it was, but there was something about it that was like sex and it scared me. So I made them turn it off and I cried. Um, and I remember that. You I didn't cried. remember what movie it was until you described it. And I was like, that was the movie. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Same thing with Alien. So, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think just watching it, he's so, he's so eloquent, you know, and, and, but on top of all of that, it's like Barbara Walters, I mean, this is, I'm just backpacking off what Brent said, but watching Barbara Walters sort of sit in his face and it's like, she's so close to his face, which is weird to me, but <laughs> he, she's so like, I don't think she's homophobic or was homophobic, but she does treat him like he's an alien. And her the, the way she sort of pokes and prods at him like he's from an, like he's from another species is just wild to watch. But you know, obviously, we're talking different time, we're talking different context, we're talking the beginning of AIDS, and um, I I just think watching him essentially like what the, I think the most powerful thing he did there was essentially just normalized it and was just like. We want ma- we want love and marriage and families and like yeah we're, yeah we're, there, we're not different you know no, and uh, we're here we're yeah, queer get used incredible. to it Elliot we're here <laughs> well, we're he queer get yes, used to he wasn't he, but, but he wasn't even doing that he wasn't even yeah, being yeah, like yeah, yeah. he wasn't even being pr- uh, uh, not antagonistic but he wasn't being um, he wasn't trying to you know get in her face at all he wasn't trying yeah. to mm-hmm. throw her he was just being like we're just like it we're just like you we're just yeah, like yeah you. yeah and it, yeah. Oh, and the thing that, like, for me, like, we'll talk, what we talked a little bit about with Drew and Glenn is the timing of even that interview and that play yeah. and how, like, here you have, you know, the 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 play that won the best new play of the year at the Tonys. And, like, he's getting interviewed by Barbara Walters, which, like, half the country is not going to see this play. You know, what I mean? it's, it's Or most of the country is not going to see this play. But yet it was... It was so successful that it warranted an interview with on one of the one of well not even before long before the movie because the movie came out like five six years after the play did and like it it warranted a a segment on twenty twenty one of the most watched news programs in the country at that time Mm -hmm. and like what was happening then outside was this shift in sort of representation of gay men because of AIDS and how everything Harvey was saying just sort of got put on the back burner and. No one could have that conversation because then the narrative became mm. AIDS, and it was, right. It changed. It it completely changed, and it just shows that, like the things that even we're talking about now, they were talking about in 1982, 1983. That's the, I think just, that's the part that was so provocative. Yeah, yeah, that was the part that was so provocative to me was that it was like, oh, this doesn't. This feels relatively modern, despite the you know with the context, of course. But mm-hmm. his their conversation felt more modern than I would have ever expected yeah. when you told me about the video at first and with yeah. what I know about Torch Song. What did you yeah. think of uh, Barbara? And did, did you think she was just kind of like playing the role of like seeking more information? Did you think she was like a, a little um, ignorant, Alan uh, and Elliot? What no, did you guys I don't, think? I don't. I don't think she was ignorant. I think she was a woman of her time, of her era oh. in that in that moment. But I also think I also oh, think I do give credit you. to Barbara because 
you know, she was at that stage where she could say yes or no to what she wanted to do. And the network yeah. would just go with it because she's Barbara Walters. I mean, th- there was no, there was no, like, she had the Barbara Walters special. Like, she could interview whoever the hell she wanted to interview. And the yeah. fact that she lended her, quote unquote, credibility at the time to to interviewing this person who, like I said before, 98% of the country is not going to see this thing that he's known for. No, you said 50, but yeah, go ahead. But yeah, but, yeah, but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that is a huge thing for her to do at that time. Absolutely. I think it's interesting. I also think she maybe used a little bit of the, which is what in media people have used for years and years, the titillation of sort of like gay people and queerness yeah. to sort of entice yeah. people to watch. It's like, look at this queer person, watch this dancing monkey go. And they, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a little bit of that in it too, too, but I give her credit. Yeah. And I think, I think, she, I think she's yeah, I, yeah, I think she was, I, I didn't find it to be too overbearing. I mean, I think, yeah, she was a, a woman of the time and it was like, you know, a little, uh. a little cringy, but you know, ultimately like, I, I think she was, you know, she was asking the questions that I think probably a lot of people who just didn't know gay yeah. a gay person mm-hmm. were curious to ask. But she, you know, she's Barbara Walters. She has that sort of lackadaisical, you know, curiosity yeah, yeah, yeah. that. But but also, I think that's important that like, especially in the '80s, like you have to give voice to the people who are watching, and not everyone yeah. is a is a New York liberal that like goes to Broadway exactly. all the time. That in yeah. fact, ninety eight percent of their listen their viewers probably weren't. And yeah. so I I think whether it was. Um, uh, intentional or not like i think it's important to like you know kind of you know ease people into the idea that that you know and ask sometimes vaguely ignorant questions or softball questions or silly questions seemingly now especially in hindsight 40 years later what was the dumbest question i think the dumbest question was like what do you think of a do you think women are ugly or something where she was like that's right what do you think of women do you think women are gross or something and he's like no, you know, they walk down a street and I look at them for a different reason or whatever. It was like, yeah, 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 what? Right, that was right. a question that was like, huh? Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> now, I do want to hear <laughs> Brent, really... though, sing Harvey Firestein's songs from Hairspray. I want him to cover <laughs> every single one. You, you can't yeah. stop the beat. Let me, let me do a little research and get back to you on that. Okay, yeah, great, please. What would, what your, would your aunt, aunt say? say? Brent, what would your Aunt Ramona say about something she heard on today's show? Let me show Elliot a picture of your Uncle Hamilton. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> My Aunt Joanne would say, I want to see this machine. <laughs> How about Aunt Anne? My Aunt Anne would say, I think this is probably as good a time as any to tell you. I love Chick-fil-A. I love it. I love it. I can't get enough of it. I'm sorry. I love you too. I support homosexuals. <laughs> well, thanks for listening. I'm Elliot Glazer. I am Brent Sullivan. And I am H. Allen Scott. No, you're not. Do the machine. Do the machine. Unhinged. <laughs> Nipple clamps. Nipple clamps. <laughs> yeah.